Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany. And today, my special guest is Luana Chambers Lawson, the principal owner of Tacit Growth Strategies. Luana, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am great. Happy to see your beautiful smile. So... Thank you. I'm always happy to see you. <laughs> Tiffany is not only gorgeous, she's she's beauty and brain. <laughs> well, I say the same thing about you, ma'am. Um, I want, th- so I've got my uh, listeners here and they need to know about you and what you've been doing with tacit growth strategies. Because you, like everybody's talking about you and, and what you've accomplished with your company. Wow, I didn't know that. I feel so honored. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to start this. Yeah, so tacit growth strategies kind of came out of me getting tired of just doing so much work for people and not having a business. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I just didn't. I was doing all this work, and you already know it's the most difficult thing for an entrepreneur to do is to step away. You know, you're doing what you love. You're doing what you're naturally good at. Mm -hmm. But to take the step back and say, all right, I need to charge for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing for us to do. And I don't think enough of us really talk about that. So for me, you know, back in 2018, when I decided to start the business, it was really at a point in my life where I said, you know what? I haven't valued myself and I haven't valued what it is that I'm good at for so many years because I had... I've started so many businesses, you know what I'm saying? And, and what did I have to show for it? 2018, I had nothing to show for it. Um, and I was just, you know, I was sort of fed up with it. And I was like, all right, you know, we're going to start tacit growth because if you look at the record of the things that I've done, it's all about growing people um, and then growing organizations with people, right? So the people is where it starts. It starts with, you know, it's not about if you have a PhD, if you have an MD, if you have a, you know, PMP or LSSGB, you know, Lean Six Sigma, Greenbelt. It doesn't matter what you have after your name. It's about who you are and really tapping into your potential. So that's why I called it tacit growth because I said this is what I've been doing for years for different people was just igniting that spark in them, you know, where they were like, man, I, I, I like to do this type of work, but I'm not sure how to monetize it. You know, who can I get in here to help me out with that and get me some structure so I know how to receive money? Uh, you know, and not end up having to pay back all these taxes and all other stuff. So that's really how tacit growth came to be. What's the strangest? Because you you help people grow who are like weird businesses. What's the strangest business? <laughs> you know, because stuff that stuff that people are like, ain't no way that's going to be able to be monetized. <laughs> you know, how are you going to make exactly. that grow? <laughs> What's the strangest exactly. one you you've you've been like? I don't know if I can do this, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> the oddest one was a terrarium business. It was a terrarium business. You know, the guy was very passionate about animals, all things mm-hmm. animals. You know, he loved lizards. He loved all you know, all different type of fish and things of that sort. So he had like this aquarium and terrarium thing going on, and he was trying to figure out a way to monetize it. And, um, you know, we, we got them popping. You, okay, just so that my listeners know, uh, you have been in Forbes and O Magazine because of how much you have been able to make businesses grow. So what caused you to end up in Forbes? Your, your growth rate, I know, but how did you do that? Yeah, so there was this um, this guy, he's a financial sort of advisor, and I, he'd been sort of watching some of the work that I had been doing for a while with different organizations. And he just, you know, he hit me up on LinkedIn and was like, hey, man, you know, I've been watching you. You know, we've got a few uh, entrepreneurs that we'd like to spotlight during, um, I think it was the uh, Pride Month. So I mm-hmm. think it was, what, in like uh, September or something like that? Mm-hmm. I get yeah. my, my months mixed up. 
But yeah, he was like, hey, you know, we're we're featuring, um, you know, different LGBTQIA plus entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, during this month. And we want to, you know, want to give you that shout out. And I was like, how did you know I was queer? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, but he'd been watching me for some time. So he was just like, yeah, you know, I've, I noticed that you do such great work and, you, you know, you don't discriminate You're all about um, you know, just being kind and, and embracing difference and, um, you know, accepting people for who they are, really. And he was like, you know, you don't see that in business. So, you know, let's get you let's get you on Forbes. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So business can be so hard, especially if, if there's anything different about you, any little thing. It's a difficult to break into and here you are just killing it thank you i feel like i'm still short you know i'm I'm trying not to drown i'm I'm paddling or whatever i'm dog paddling you know trying to trying to keep my head above the water but you you are teaching at school you're teaching entrepreneurs how to to get started you're helping all kinds of little startups non-profits dysfunctional nonprofits and good nonprofits, <laughs> you know, I mean, like there's some, some level of dysfunctionality to anything that has a board because you've got people, right. there's just going to be lots of different personalities. So boards are, are kind of made so that there's, there's a little bit of friction because you want to have, you want to have the, the, you know, the give and take of different ideas on a board. So, you know, so that in and of itself, you're going to have some of that, but you managed to like work with all the different personalities and still make each one of the businesses flourish, which is, you know, hard. (laughs) Very difficult. Absolutely. But it's because, you know, at the end of the day, these organizations um, exist, to solve a problem or they exist to add or contribute something to the community that we need. So that's what I like to lead with, you know, all the other stuff, the personalities and, and everything else, you know, people are going to be people. Yeah. And, you know, I think as long as you, if you're somebody like me, you just, you love humanity, you love people. That's you know, right. I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to turn around and say, Hey, I like dogs more. You know, I'm always going <laughs> to yeah. prefer people. You know what I mean? I love yeah. people. We have our faults, you know. And you have a way with perfect. people. You have a way with people like that that uh, transcends whatever, whatever's uh, going on, because you always seem right. to find the sunny side and whatever whatever the project is and whatever right. the mission is. You know, getting people back to okay, this is what we're what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Because mm-hmm. you you have right. to be. Like one of the things that uh, I noticed is how organized you are. So what would you say is the most important thing a a person who is an entrepreneur, uh, what's the most important attribute that they need? Organization. You hit the nail on the head. If you're not an organized person, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed as an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur, you get, you know, I had like five calls this morning of just people, hey, I want to start a school. Hey, I want to, you know, start a new business and this. I want to do that and I want to do that. You know, you're going to get all types of calls from all sorts of angles. And, you know, sometimes you're going to hear a call and you're going to be like, whoa, that's really not my wheelhouse. Why did you call me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then other times <laughs> like- you'll hear something similar and you'll be like, oh, okay, I see now why you called. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really mm-hmm. take the time to digest the information that's coming at you. And if you're not an organized person, you know, you're going to get overwhelmed very easily because you're not going to know how to to manage your time. You know, you're not going to know how to prioritize what needs to, you know, get done. And, you know, me, I'm working on a book right now and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to balance all these other projects that I have going on, but I'm doing it all because I, everything that I'm doing, I love what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything that doesn't bring me satisfaction what doesn't bring me fulfillment. Everything that I'm doing right now, I love doing it. You know, okay. Loving what you do. Because we, we 
talk about this all the time and people say that, oh, you should love what you do. But how important is that to your success? That's it. If I was not fulfilled, if I was not happy doing what I do, I would not, you know, want to wake up every day to do this. You know, I literally do not sleep. I work all of the time. And it's because for me, it's not work. You know, it's it's literally getting the opportunity to do what I love and it and it brings success to other people. You know, and that's what I Mm -hmm. that's what I've always been about. I want to see everybody else around me win. You know, if you win, then I win. You know, and so being able to be in in the position in business to lead with that type of empathy and that type of kindness has meant everything in the world to me because I feel like I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part for humanity. Well, it's meant everything in the world to me to meet you and to experience your kindness because everybody that works with you says the same thing. And we all, you know, it's it's like we may not know one another. We may not not uh, have the same friend circle or whatever, but we come together whenever it's you because there's something about uh, Luana that unites people and kind of brings people mm-hmm. together. It's, it's like you have the, the most positive uh, spirit and energy and love about you. That makes everyone want to, to work with you. Every, to all of my listeners, um, you are listening to Luana Chambers Lawson. She is uh, one of the best entrepreneurs in our, our city and one of the, the most giving caring people that I've met since I've been here in San Antonio. So, Luana, come back, and you guys continue to listen. We will be back in our next segment to talk a little bit more about what's going on in this country right now, politically, and how that's affecting business. And you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister? Is your brother? Is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with On the Record with Tiffany and one of my uh, new friends, Luana Chambers Lawson. Hey, Miss Luana. Howdy. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I wanted to, to uh, now you know we can't can't uh, get on on the radio without talking about what is happening in the world right now. So we've got a pandemic afoot, and our recent experience is the president getting infected and a bunch of people at the White House. So what was your take? You know, how does when when things like this happen and as an investor, what do you see? Because markets tend to to react one way or the other to to movement, Mm -hmm. to to political stuff. It can. So what do you what did you see and what what's your take on this? Well, you know, what's really interesting is you brought up the markets and because, you know, I do. 
dabble in some day trading. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it day trading at this point. It's more so momentum trading mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't trade every day. But, you know, you look at what's been happening recently with the markets in reaction to mm-hmm. President Trump's, uh, you know, uh, infection. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, um, a lot of the traders are more so reacting to the um, uh, the upcoming presidential election and the mm-hmm. stimulus. You know, we were all hoping that some support would come down for Main Street, as we call it, um, uh, rather than just Wall Street. We see a lot of support and rallying for Wall Street. Mm-hmm. I think today we saw that some of the stocks closed near session highs. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're still breaking a lot of records. And it's really sad. It's kind of terrifying because you look around, a lot of folks are, um, you know, losing their jobs. A lot of high high paying positions are leaving mm-hmm. um, the country and you know, you see the clean energy is not getting the type of support that you think it would be getting around this time. You know, with a lot of companies like uh, Amazon and, and and Uber that are, you know, going towards uh, zero carbon emissions mm-hmm. and, and, you know, forward thinking things like that. It's very interesting when the market is going in that direction, but the White House is not. Um, a lot of folks in our circles, especially, would say that the president get, didn't get COVID-19. Um, that that was just a hoax. Well, the word, <laughs> the word hoax. <laughs> um, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. Like as I as I listen to to commentators, as I listen to people, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what can happen next? Because I never thought we would be in a pandemic, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's raging right now. Yeah. It is raging right now. Uh, I I heard that we were, you know, that when I look at things like schools and, and kids being in school, like my children are not in school. My children are being, uh, are in, in distance learning right now. They're in school, but they're doing distance learning um, because to us, you know, we we are waiting to to make sure that that the pandemic either slows down or uh, we find a vaccine. Something something needs to come along because uh, both of our kids are adopted. So uh, there's one half of of each girl's um, history that we don't know, and so we're not willing mm. to to uh, to roll the dice on putting them in school. It, amidst a pandemic that they could be the, the one kid that gets very, very sick, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. and I am definitely that helicopter mother. I do not apologize for being a helicopter mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, you know, they, they say that the kids are the super carriers, you know, mm-hmm. um, that those are, they're really the ones who are bringing it home and, and, and getting the parents, you know, the grandparents sick. And, um, you know, it's just really sad when you look around, uh, especially with the schools, because we're leaving so many students out. You know, there's so many students that just cannot learn online. You know, they really just are not able to retain the information looking at a screen or listening to uh, some some sort of audio um, all day. It's just not something that they can retain. It's tough. I have an eight and a 10 year old. And uh, they both have have LDs, so it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge uh, for the girls. It's just been a challenge. So I I fully understand that. Um, when you're looking at at the economy, because I keep hearing all of this uh, stuff about the economy and and how long it'll take us to bounce back. What's your estimation on on how long? How long it will take us to bounce back now? Now, I want you to give me like your general explanation because I know like for me as a black person, uh, the economy, like there's always something going on, you know, like in mm-hmm. within the black we are we're used to living within a budget and living lean, you know, so it's mm-hmm. not, so when things are going on economically, you're not necessarily swayed in the same way other people are swayed, you know? Right. 
Yeah, especially for black women, you know, as mm-hmm. black women, our earning potential is, is not on par with white men anyway. So, you know, you're looking at for every dollar that they get, uh, maybe even 62 cents for us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the she session, they've been calling it a she, a she, she, a she session um, since I, be, I believe it was April or, or March, actually, this year, when we started talking about how COVID-19 is, is disproportionately impacting the earning potential of, of black women in this country. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty terrifying because, you know, you look at Department of Labor, you look at uh, census, which is another reason why the census has been so important, um, trying to collect the data on, you know, how we're doing um, in order to really get a better idea as to what recovery uh, could look like. I don't think that we're even, recovery is not a word that we can talk about right now because we, we're still surging um, we don't have a vaccination. We don't have even when the vaccination is 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 discovered, you know, we still won't have uh, access. Not everyone will have access uh, to the vaccination anyway, you know, and then whatever impacts from there. And I think the FDA said what we won't see uh, any any talks about a vaccination until after the election. Well, after the election, um, because of all the trials, they need the, the trials to settle in and the results to be uh you know, vetted and publicized. So recovery is not something I think that we can even wrap our minds around right now. You know, some people have been talking about the summer of next year, um, the fall of next year. I don't, I, I, I don't even feel comfortable with those projections. Wow. So in terms of, of the economy and new and people starting new businesses, because I see like new businesses starting, how, mm-hmm. like, what's your recommendation for people who are trying to start a new business amidst all of this? You got to fill the gaps. That's it. Fill the gaps because, um, you know, folks, ever since the first stimulus, what we did find with the first stimulus is that a lot of people that did pump money back into the economy, they pumped it into services. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon did great. Zoom mm-hmm. did great. You know. Yeah. Uh, DraftKings did great, which was really interesting. And, you know, you had several other companies, a lot of uh, healthcare companies, of course, that mm-hmm. did well um, because of the yes, hopes of, of sick. vaccination. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Give us a vaccine. <laughs> but, I mean, you look at the second round of stimulus, you know, that seems like it's going to have to go back into uh, taking care of home because a lot of us aren't employed or underemployed. So it's like, how, how do you, how do you get yourself going after something like this? Like the, how many black businesses closed? Like there were a lot yeah. that closed, you know? Yeah. They said over 40%. That's right. So what, does that look like in a city like San Antonio on the east side when you have so many businesses that have closed? Ooh, I would like to see if we have any recent data um, on how businesses, black businesses especially, have fared in San Antonio during the COVID. I'd be, I would love to see that data. I think we need to get that. Yeah. Because, we need to request that as soon as possible. Because that... You know, I'm I'm interested in in our community. You know, it's it's one thing mm-hmm. to look at at 40 percent uh, in the the nation, but but what businesses does that mean for us here in in San Antonio? Because it's this community is pretty pretty. It it feels like like hometown. You know, <laughs> like small, mm-hmm. but I know it's you know the seventh largest market in the in the country. Um, but this is a very close knit community. So uh, when you see jobs and and businesses closing, that's a a painful thing. It's painful to see that. Um, You've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, Luana Chambers Lawson. And we will be back to talk a little bit more about our economic situation here in San Antonio. And you're listening to On the Record with Tiffany. 
I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And Luana, we're back with Luana Chambers Lawson. And Luana, I wanted to ask you, how do you pick the businesses that you're going to work with, with uh, tacit growth strategies? That's such an excellent question. Um, I think for me, it, it really comes down to whether the business has a very clear understanding of where they're trying to go and they have the type of leadership in place that can make it happen. That's really, when I think about who I bring on as a, as a tacit grower, um, those are the types of, of entities that I look for because, you know, once you have strong leadership and you got a strong sort of vision, a map of how you want to go forward, anything is possible. And we can definitely get you value because that's everything about what I like to do is create consistent value. So, you know, we go through one iteration of work, there's value that's already created. We go through another iteration of work, there's value created again. And so I think that you're able to do that when you have people who are very clear on where they're trying to go and they have people who actually can make it happen that are already in positions of leadership. So when you say consistent value, what does that look like? So for most organizations, the value needs to look like something that they can use, a product that they can use immediately. Mm-hmm. So it's a, any type of product, service, or result that they can turn around and you know share with the board of directors or turn around and share with mm-hmm. the public that they serve. That's the type of value that we're talking about because it's all about the voice of the customer, right? It's, all, it's always about um, looking for and eliciting feedback from the voice of the customer so that you're, you know, you're making sure that your uh, work is meaningful and it's, it's actually going towards something that uh, will ultimately continue to produce value for your customer. Now, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because you, aside from tacit growth, you've got a couple more irons in the fire. Like you have your own podcast. So tell us about your yes. podcast. So how did that happen? Because the two of you are kind of different. You you have two completely different <laughs> yeah. Completely different takes yeah. on everything. <laughs> yeah. So we have like a Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp type of thing going on with my podcast. It's called Real Management Talk with LJ and Jocelyn. You got to check it out. To Tiffany's point, Jocelyn and I are complete opposites in every way. Um, but I found out about Jocelyn when I was working at Edgewood ISD. Um, the superintendent, you know, had created my position as the district grant administrator. So I was tasked with taking care of all the grants uh, for the, the school district. I think it was over 21 campuses at the time. Uh, plus, you know, going after multi-million dollar uh, opportunities for the district, uh, district-wide. And so, you know, as a grant professional, all grant professionals know you don't work by yourself. If you want to go after multi-million dollar opportunities, you've got to work as a team. Yep. So Jocelyn was actually introduced to me by my superintendent at the time. And she and I were going to work together on a couple of different grant projects. And we just kind of fell in love with each other from there. <laughs> you know, mutual respect. You know, we, we just talked about everything. It's like she told me about her whole backstory and 
all the experiences that she had with different, you know, organizations that she'd worked with and same, you know, that I did with her. So ever since then, it's been years and we've been good friends for years. Totally different people, totally different takes on everything from politics to everything else. <laughs> but we respect each other for our differences and we respect each other as, you know, professionals in our in our spaces. So we have, yeah, the podcast is called Real Management Talk with LJ and Jocelyn. It's on all your platforms. You've got it on Spotify and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's on Anchor FM. So just check it out. And uh, YouTube is also on YouTube. And just check it out and, and leave us some comments and let us know what you think about it. I thought it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Especially the fact that the two of you are so different because that that's the the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it is that you're getting yeah. completely different perspectives, a completely and and that's how businesses grow. That's how you get how you figure out what what's going to work for you. Yeah. Mhm. So Absolutely. When you're looking at teams like because uh, every like you mentioned teams or, earlier with uh, grant grant yeah. teams, if you're trying to to write big grants, you need to be doing that with the team. Um, right? How do you pick the team members? You know, as as you're build, helping these startups mm-hmm. build, a big component of building uh, a business is having a team that works together. So you can't have right. Five Luanas. You have to have right. one Luana and one Tiffany and one Zach. Right. You know, you can't have right. you can't have everybody the same. Absolutely. You, you got it. Like you said it, you hit the nail on the head for the grant writing team. There's got to be a cross functional team. You've got to have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've got to have an operations person. You've got to have an accounting person. You've got to have a finance person and, and recognizing the nuances between accounting and finance. You know, you got to have um, a person who's really good at looking at legal uh, terminology and figuring out, you know, what compliance is going to look like um, for a particular grant project. You know, you even need to have beneficiaries and benefactors on that team. You know, I think mm-hmm. successful grant writing teams have people who are going to benefit from that program and they also have people who are going to be the sponsors, like bring in those benefactors. If you've got someone that you want to support a project, let them know about it up front, get them involved so that they can help you design the project, you know, let them design uh, the proposal so that when it comes time for you to ask them for money, you can point to say that, Hey, I used your, you know, director of strategic initiatives uh, to come up with this particular uh, component of the proposal. That's powerful. Wow. You know? I would have never thought about that. That is a great tip. Now, everybody that's listening that, that is interested in, in grant funding, and that would be every little startup out there, <laughs> that's a piece of information that that you just got from a multi-million dollar grant writer. <laughs> so <laughs> write that down and keep it <laughs> because you're going to need it. <laughs> That's right. Drop the mic, girl. That was good. (laughs) That'll be in the book. So, you know, people want to read about how we can do that, you know, pick up the book. So tell us about your book. You, this is not your first book. So tell, no, no, no. This will be the third one. So you've written three books. Uh, so what, what's your book about? This one is called Alexa, write me a grant. And what it's about is literally, (laughs) everything that you need to know to actually be able to put together a solid grant proposal. Oh, I love that. I love that because so there's some stories, you know, it's not just like other grant writing books where they like show you, Oh, okay, well, here's a template for this. And here's a template for that. That's all good and sexy. Mm-hmm. But now because everything is so sophisticated, mm-hmm. you need stories so that you know how to sort of, you need some lessons learned so that you don't make the mistakes that I've made. Yeah. So I put some stories into the book. Uh, to help you navigate the waters. And writing writing grants, that's such a, it's very specific. And you have mm-hmm. to, you really do have to be able to tell a story. Because it's not, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen other, I've seen other grant writers. 
Um, and I've been surprised that they got funded. <laughs> you know, like everybody has yeah. a different style, like, <laughs> but some people are just, you're like, man, the, you, basically you knew that the, that the mission of the organization and the story of the organization is why, you know, right. the, the group got funded. It had nothing to do with, with uh, the level of skill of, of the grant writer. And then I've seen other people right. like uh, who have had you writing for them and right. maybe they weren't together on their mission, but, but uh, you were able to vocalize and help, help them strategize way better than, than the uh, all over the place. Um, because for m- mm. many of us who are in, in nonprofit, it's a heart deal, but we don't, we can be everywhere and not, uh, focused. And so the, so a person like Luana, like that's what I utilize the Luanas and the, and the Zacks for is, is my job is, is to, to be the heart of uh, Texas Kidney Foundation and what's going on at Texas Kidney Foundation. But also I have to focus and, and, and make sure everything we're doing is mission aligned. And that's where Luana and Zach and uh, Dr. Mangler and others come into, into play because they, you guys kind of, help narrow that focus because, you know, I'll want to help every aspect of kidney disease and what's going on. And y'all have to be like, and so you can do these projects. (laughs) This is what fits into 2021. (laughs) Exactly. She's going to be trying to handle the outreach component. She'll be trying to handle the, like the white papers Handling all the uh, and, screenings and all and that. Y'all are like, no. <laughs> here's your. Like, uh-uh. Here's what you're supposed here's to be doing. Like, <laughs> you know, you right. stay over here. <laughs> you cannot that's do right. every single thing, I, and you have to have somebody that that does that. Like within a team, you there are specific roles that each person. N- that each person plays and that are necessary for the team to be successful. Like there's no way to be successful if you have, if every single person is Luana and if every single person is Tiffany, you have to have the, the two separates. That's right. You know, it's, it, it, it sounds, that's how you end up, able to do what you love <laughs> is that we're each doing That's what right. we love, you know? So when you bring that, that passion to, to work, man, that, that makes a huge difference. So come back you all, and we're going to listen. And in our next segment, we are going to talk about Luana's book a little bit more in depth, her other two books to see what has this lady been up to and what is it that you can learn from Luana. You are listening to On the Record with Tiffany, and we will be back. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID 19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions... You need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office, 
for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with Luana Chambers-Lawson. Luana, so tell us about your other two books. Are, are, do you still so, have, Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Tell us okay. about your other two. So the, the first one was from high school, and that was all about the Talented Tenth. So it was about W.B. Du Bois's uh, Talented Tenth. And so I was basically uh, talking about it in comparison to some of the other thought leaders of the time, uh, Booker T. Washington and others, uh, mm-hmm. to really try to get down to what we, what do we need to espouse when it comes to black leadership? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do we need to sit and think that, you know, only the talented tenth is going to lead us uh, to, you know, I guess going back to um, Africa and, and taking our rightful places? Um, or is it going to be like this sort of, you know, stay where you are and do what you can where you are, you know, and let that just be sort of your success quotient. So that was a little bit of a conversation about those types of things. And that was back in high school. So that's, that was published by my county, um, Chesterfield County in Virginia. Are and you then the serious? second one. You got that published yeah. when you were in high school. Yes. When you were in high school. That is amazing. So yeah. you were you were already stepping out as as a leader. Two hundred and seven pages of it was my early dissertation, that's what I tell everybody. <laughs> it was it was a really good Good, good, good conversation starter. I'll say that. What did you major in, in in college? Were you a writer? Were you journalism or something like that? No, I um, originally I was going to go for engineering, and then I decided to study political science instead. And so I studied political science and African-American studies undergrad. So... Yeah. W- what do you feel about everything that we've seen happening with Black Lives Matter, with uh, health care inequities here hmm. in the United States? Because all of a sudden, people are aware of, of uh, disparities across a mm-hmm. lot of different, you know, health care Definitely. Social determinants of health. Like people are becoming aware of of what's happening to the poor. Right. And to ethnic minorities I mean, here. It's to different disappointing and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's just really disappointing that in twenty twenty we're still having to sort of uncover um African American legacy, place and and culture and history. You know, if you don't know that Henrietta lacks her cells are the reason why President Trump, if he did get COVID-19, uh, her cells are the reason why he's able uh, to, to recover as quickly as he has and is able to, you know, keep going as on as business as usual. It's because of this black woman's cells, um, you know, that were taken unbeknownst to her and without her consent, right, to, to produce some of the, the greatest medical advancements um, that we've ever seen, ever known. But if you look at black women in general, you look at uh, antebellum, postbellum history, African-American women have been the ones who have um, uh, created medicine. Mm-hmm. Anything that we think of in medical sciences is because of a black woman, you know, and her lack of consent, her lack of um, ability to really play a part, a, a, a proper role in the advancement of, of medicine that we've come to know in Western, in the Western world. So, you know, you look at Black Lives Matter, I'm very proud of where we are today in terms of uh, at least being able to say it and, you know, folks not shy away from saying it, but we do need to move past saying it and actually move into action. So one of the things I've been doing um, on the side and in, in terms of investing in other black owned businesses um, with my own dollars and with my own time is I've also been working on a platform for black women leaders. Um, it's mostly in Detroit right now because that's where a lot of black women are doing their doggone thing. Um, so we're starting in Detroit and we're going to move throughout the rest of the country. And it's all about raising funds and supporting black women leaders throughout the country, because let's be real, you know, when it comes to politics, when it comes to anything economic, 
it's always the black women that are on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. And we've been telling y'all, <laughs> and you ain't listening. So, so that's a lot of the work that I've been trying to do is actually put dollars and in-kind support behind a lot of these women throughout the country that are doing amazing things and um, sort of just doing them with very little to no resources. So I'm trying to help change that. But yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what Black Lives Matter means to me is, you know, we have to be able to move past um, just recognizing the very real fact that the way that we live in this body and these bodies that we come up in, <laughs> the experiences that we have are unlike anyone else's. Mm-hmm. No one else can really understand or relate unless you've had to walk in our shoes. And, you know, so recognizing that with Black Lives Matter is awesome. But the next part of that is, you know, unearthing all of the facts, unearthing the fact that the richest person in the world till this day was still Mansa Musa, you know, an African who would have been a trillionaire today. You know, so so we have to recognize these facts and be able to accept them for what they are and empower the people that come from these lands, these nations that have been pillaged, that have been raped, that have been, you know, co-opted for other people's gain. Um, And we have to be able to to, to recognize that and try to, to repatriate and restore these places back to their original glory. What do you say to people that that you see who are who find take offense to Black Lives Matter? I, I tell them that they're short sighted. If you see everything that's been happening uh, to black people uh, historically in this country and you're not upset, then you ain't been paying attention. It's just that simple. You know, everyone that is saying Black Lives Matter is recognizing that police brutality um uh, ghettoization of an entire population of people based on their skin color, mm-hmm. um, prison industrial complexes that have been built on the backs of children of color, black children specifically. I mean, if you're not paying attention and you take offense to Black Lives Matter, then you're just you're just being willfully ignorant. You know what I mean? You're being willfully ignorant, and and there's no place for that in 2020. This is the year of reckoning. Uh, this is the year, hopefully, of atonement. We have to move past, um, you know, this misplaced sort of sensitivity to, to facts. You know, we have to move past that and move towards atoning, move towards um, recompensing and, and repatriation so that people are able to live their full lives. You know, everyone should be free and everyone should be liberated and everyone should be uh, equal in this country, in this great nation that is made uh, made great by the contributions of African people. Well, I, I agree with you on, on that. And we also have to have to look at the fact that that this nation was built from everyone. So. Mm-hmm. Our lives are important just as and when we say that our lives are important, it's not to, to diminish anyone else's life. It is to say these lives are important, too. So let's value them. Let's not have someone kneel on somebody's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and we just all move on from it. There is no mm-hmm. just moving on from that. We have to pay attention to what that means and what that means for our sons, you know, the fear that people have for their sons and their daughters, uh, that's real. And I'm, I'm happy to see that people are, are paying attention to this. Uh, I want to see us move towards policy, policy change, mm-hmm. so that, that uh, we don't see things like that happening again, uh, so that we are continuing to happen. And so that we we uh, have a different a different set of of things that we're we're incensed about when when my in twenty years when my kids <laughs> are are in their forties, mm-hmm. you know, a, a different set of 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 values. Uh, if and when we say that that this is a, a just and equal society, then let's act like it. And let's embrace it. When we say that we're built on on Christian values, then let's act like it. It, it should be only in in one 
only in a vacuum or only if if you're this ethnic background or this race or it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that way that's what equality means everybody gets the same shake so you've been listening to on the record with tiffany and i and thank you luana for coming on because uh, Luana came on at the last minute, one of my, my guests uh, canceled. So I ended up with this awesome interview with Luana. <laughs> um, Thank you so much. It's a privilege. So you have a great week. And you all have been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. If, if uh, anything you heard today about how to grow your business, uh, if you want to check it out, go and check out Tastic Growth Strategies. Luana can help you out and help you learn how to write a good grant. <laughs> Pick up her book when it, when it, when it drops. <laughs> Alexis, write me a grant. <laughs> <laughs> so you too will understand how to write a grant. <laughs> Although I would strongly suggest Amen. that you uh, uh, call up Luana if you're going to try to do something big, because if you're writing a little grant, yes, Try that. If you're writing a big one, you need a team. That's right. <laughs> and you've been mm-hmm. listening to On the Record with Tiffany. And you all come back, listen to us next week because we're going to have uh, Pantsuit Politics on. Uh, two ladies, one on the left and one on the right. And they're going to show you how to come together and, and uh, talk about politics with grace, mercy, and as Christians, as we should. You've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany, and you have a wonderful week. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930am The Answer.